Welcome to Old Town New World. We're here in Old Town Rock Hill, South Carolina at Millstone Pizza. I'm Jason Broadwater. I'm Chris Germain. And we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of small town Sorry, USA. No, okay. Today we have the privilege to have a guest who's come all the way down from the South Park area of Charlotte. Amy, welcome. Thank you. And uh, Chris, welcome. Thank you. Chris came all the way from next door at Rev and Flood. Boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> Tip your servers. I'll be here all night. <laughs> so, um. <laughs> and this is how funny it would be if a comedian made a joke and then you said that to the comedian. Like if you were in the audience, if you said it real well, like, like, like real happy staring at the comedian and said that, you should try that next time you're at the comedy zone. Excellent. I'll be there later on tonight. <laughs> okay. Okay, so Amy is um, duly employed in different endeavors, one being her own endeavor of uh, writing uh, both children's books and in the uh, film world, and also in the organic farming world, kind of the farm-to-table phenomenon that's going on um, lately. So let's start with writing. So when, when did you start writing? Oh, gosh. As a little kid, really? yeah, always made. I grew up in Illinois, in the country, country, country. Wait a minute, I'm sorry, it's actually pronounced Illinois. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean. I'm sorry. I don't mean to correct you, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So five hours south of Chicago, in the country, our driveway was a quarter mile long. You know, surrounded by lots of land. So I had me and my stories. <laughs> I grew up with four siblings. So, you know, I had company. I'm the middle. Yes. Uh, that's why you're so talented. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that that's is why. Um, so yeah, I always just like stories. And then I remember, I do have this memory of me in, I think, fourth grade writing, you know, actually with a pencil back then. And um, my hand started hurting, and I remember thinking, literally, like, oh, you're gonna have to get used to this pain because you're gonna be writing oh, the rest of your life. Awesome. I'm not being that's that awesome. serious. Now, is this like a stylus on an iPad? <laughs> <laughs> is that like yes, a, I am 13 years old. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you, were, you were muscling through it, knowing it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Were you encouraged as a young person by the adults around you to keep writing? Absolutely, yeah. My parents are really great, they support pretty much anything. I do. <laughs> pretty much, I mean, luckily I make pretty decent choices, so not all the time, but, but yeah, I'm, I've been very encouraged to really like more just use my imagination, like in any way, shape or form, you know, whether that be writing, dancing, you know, anything, you know, my, my focus more has always been writing, so. <laughs> Did you um, go to school, college for writing? I studied mass communications and I dropped out <laughs> and then I went to uh, film school in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Film School and then since then I've taken several courses in creative writing but but I don't have my masters in liberal arts, no. <laughs> when you were in uh, film school were you focused on script writing? Mm -hmm. Yes I was and directing. Okay. Huh. I like writing more so. So, so you've been uh, doing uh, children's stories yeah it's always been my it, 
like magical realism has always been oh here easiest or just kind of what I go to it's just my style I would say and Chris has spoken highly of um, what he's seen of your work. He's very generous, but yeah. Whimsical is the word that you Yeah, yeah. And very tightly, distinctly whimsical in a, in a real, like, persistent voice. That's a very good. solid, persistent voice. So you have, you have something coming out. So, so talk to us a little bit about what you have coming out here. It is the first installment of a series, a long-form picture book, which I know you know, whatever the market will say, there's no, there's no market for it, but um, it is, it's called An Unsuspecting Day, that's a series title, and then Judah and the Freckled Whale, and Judah is the name of my nephew, so it's really for him. Awesome. <laughs> I would say he's going to be the envy of his kindergarten class, hopefully, <laughs> but it is really about him or Judah, it's not really about him, but he, so he's this little boy that lives on an island. There's this living magical library also on the island that really represents his imagination, but no one would really know that, and you know, unless I just told, like you guys know that, and that's pretty much it, you know? Um, but I'm really playing with all the different, like areas of your brain, you know, like memory and dreams, but they all kind of represent different rooms in the library yeah. and like even thoughts because I was such a daydreamer and I encourage daydreaming, not to the point where you don't live in reality, but I, I think it's important to allow yourself just to kind of, I don't know, get lost in your thoughts. <laughs> so, so do you find, I mean, that's interesting. Do you find that, um, it's easy to fall in. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I um, wrote a children's story once, and uh, I didn't do a very good job because I made it too about adults. Yeah, I made it about it. It was very violent. No, I'm just kidding. It's a lot of cur cursing yeah, and it sex. Was, it was it was rated R basically, yeah. and I didn't understand why it wasn't any good for kids. Oh, I can't think of anything. I thought I was being an innovator. Yeah, I was an innovator. But um, it was called Get a Job. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I didn't do a good job because I found myself falling into the trap of being too didactic. Like I was, I was trying to teach my lesson more so than I was just creating a good story oh, and a good character. Have you had that problem? Or yes. And then how I kind of battle, I know exactly what you're talking about. You just, I mean, as a writer, you guys know, and I know it kind of sounds corny, but whenever you just let the work do like you're really the vessel like that really is I don't I mean I've written stories I don't remember writing you know I'll look through my old notes I was just doing that the other day but when I find myself trying to control it I just have to step away and that's where I go off in my own world <laughs> and then the story just writes itself I would have taken on that that level for you where he's kind of controlling what happens yeah. in the story I mean I wrote that story like four three or four years ago but yes, I just finished up two other books for the series. And yeah, it was, it's easier now because I, I do feel like I have come to that place where it's, I don't know, the stories are just coming out. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, we, that's something we've talked about before on here with about architecture, I think. Is that I must idea. have not been here. Yeah, because <laughs> I totally don't remember I that, <laughs> bro. You were, you were probably talking, I wouldn't yeah. listen. <laughs> we've talked about the idea of like, uh, Justin from Vignette was on here talking about 
when some people try to, well, well, now you were talking about being didactic and teaching a real lesson, and then, then there are people who say, well, you know, what's, what, yeah, but what's the point? What's it about? And then like, Justin was making the point of like, well, sometimes a thing is just a thing, you know? It's what, like a, sometimes a cigar is just a smoke, as it said, as, as, as opposed to what Freud would say, you know? But the thing is, is, like, I would argue that when you are doing what you're talking about. Was that a Bill Clinton reference? Where the cigars just I just now I read in a Stephen King book just recently. He pointed out that sometimes a cigar is just a smoke, so that's gotcha. why I quoted it. Okay, gotcha. But um but um when when you are doing what you're saying where you, you fall into a story and you let the story tell itself, when a story is truly telling itself, you, I think you are you're in a vein whether you know it or not, and in whether a reader knows it or not, you are saying something. Because by the very virtue of expression, you are saying something. And maybe it's totally subjective, but I think it is impossible to fall into a story and it be telling itself, and whether you care to acknowledge it or not, not be saying something, not be making some kind of point, not be having a backbone, because you do. And, and, and even when you're saying nothing, you're saying something. And so it's just about how much do you pay as attention long as to the that. story's driving the story. Right. It yeah, because if you're trying to you know, control the story with some type of uh, intellectual lesson, then you really never achieve a, a real story. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. Yeah, and that's something I've, the more I learn about like screenwriting that I've had to get into, like, I'll have a story and then, and I'm, I'm totally in my story, and then I have, I have to stop and step back and be like, especially with like character arcs and stuff, you have to be like, oh, wait a second, there's no character arc. Right. And it makes me be like, truth is, I, I enjoy my story. My story's good, it has heart, it works. But I like, I can't always nail down what this obvious character arc is that at the end he believes in Christmas. You know, that's not there. And the thing is, is like, when you, so therefore it's, it's gotta be more about just knowing the story you're telling and knowing what it is and seeing everything inside of it. And then those things will be there, whether they're obvious or not. Those, those arcs and those Absolutely. points are gonna be there. So Amy, when you, when you write children's stories and you, and you have that experience, how does that translate to um, your uh, kind of script writing? Oh, well, <laughs> um, I, I think I've actually shared this with these guys, Chris and Micah. Um, I write... Is Micah here? <laughs> Micah who? I, I don't know what you're talking about. Breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> my bad. I just met Chris. <laughs> but I write... Um, I'm really kind of bad about putting it into script form. I just write stories. You know, and so it's, it's really, it's really, <laughs> no, it's all right. He is all smiles. He is, he's, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I don't know if he heard you, though. Yeah. You're not getting anything. So you're bad about putting it into, into script form, but you write the story first. Yes. If I could never put a script into script form, I would be happy. <laughs> I collaborate with people. I have, yes, I have, and I—it's just really my laziness coming out. It's just I haven't disciplined myself. I used to. I—it's just so much easier for me to kind of put it into books, you know. And even in school, whenever I was sitting script writing, we'd we would always start with the story, you know, just write out the story, and then we would put it into the the actual script format. But well, do you find that when you, um, even though you have you haven't, it doesn't sound like you've found that part to be rewarding yet or, or maybe never will but the, the transitioning from the story into the script I wonder if there's a possibility that that process would actually inform the story in a creative way versus being a labor of just translation you know I don't, I don't know if you ever have experienced that 
No, but I would like to. <laughs> what about you? you? You write scripts. I mean, do you write it as a story first and then translate to script format? Yeah, I mean, well, not like, I don't write prose first, if that's what you mean. You no. no, well, and if you could call the outline, that's about as close. I mean, I, I'll write an outline. I finally, I, early on I did, I just started writing. But um, as I got into it, I realized how, how much benefit in the long run it was going to do me if I saw my whole story beat by beat before I started writing. That's not fun. Um, that's a drag. But it keeps you from getting that mid-job sluggishness. It keeps you from getting disinterested. And when you make that skeleton first, it also keeps you from going down rabbit holes. Yeah. Um, it's not fun work, but I think that is, and that's not for everybody, but I like outlining it completely first. And when I do that, I do, I'll go back and forth between, sometimes it is a little, when you, can you say Prozac when you're actually talking about writing prose? I think, I don't think Prozac you is a drug. Oh, yeah. You can say Prozac. We can take Prozac. We can say Prozac only air, I think. But that might look a little bit like prose, but I know I don't, I don't just write, God, no. Although, I guess you might as well, but no, I can't write a like book first and then translate huh. it. That's interesting. Yeah. The, the pro, you know, a lot of people make movies out of books, obviously. That's very yeah. popular to Thank do. You. Oh, sorry. And I guess that, please, I guess that is a creative process in and of itself to like... Create a script out of a because you got to leave so much out. Yeah. Yet you have to hit the important things that make, that build character and develop story and all that kind of stuff. Have you thought about um, if your children's books could be like a animated thing or something? You have. Oh yeah, that's like my whole master plan oh, is to start it with a book and then build it into film. Oh, that's cool. That's easy to do. <laughs> you imagine film? Do you imagine it being animated, or do you imagine it be acted, or that particular series? Probably, I've always thought live action, actually, but oh, awesome. I'm open to whatever. Like Bruce Willis, <laughs> like, like an like live an action, action. like That's an so action weird. movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Serious like, action, like live die action. hard all yeah. over again. Like, like Judah dies hard today, like, <laughs> like a whale. We, we Not should quiet, but yeah, something like that. Could you cast? Could you cast Wesley Snipes as Judah? <laughs> awesome. He does have kind of dready hair. Oh, Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> okay, so you are, um, I guess, participating to some extent in the um, kind of film culture, film scene in Charlotte. Um, Tell us a little bit about that, your experience at least with that scene. I mean, what, what is up, what's up there? What's going on? Well, it's kind of difficult actually, but I'm, I moved here kind of wanting to take a break from everything, to be honest. From <laughs> Illinois? No, <laughs> actually Denver, Colorado. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and I moved here wanting to totally take a break from, I don't even know, just life. <laughs> And so stressful. Colorado is so stressful. Yeah, right. No, I, I miss it. It was hard for me to move here, but I did. And life just brought me here. I didn't, you know, move here for any specific reason. Anyway, I it's actually been kind of difficult to kind of get into, but I kind of was able to step back and reevaluated what my what I really, really wanted to focus on and every single time, because I thought about like trying to do more PA and I thought about what is PA? production assistant, yeah, just to kind of get in there, you know, and meet people. And every single time I'd even think about that, I just went back to my writing. I mean, yeah, this is the time where I need to practice my crafts. Yeah, I went through know? that. That's the one thing, I mean, we talk, we talk a lot about sort of burgeoning like 
small film industry, and by small, I mean small budget or whatever, film industry that happens in, not in Hollywood and stuff. But the truth is, most of that work is is less on the creative side. I mean, most of it, like, it, it's, it's very easy to go work and film and live here, but if you want to make a living out of it, it's a lot of just work, just physical work, which is not wrong with physical work and film. But yeah, if, if your goal is more on the creative side, it is a little harder to find like sustainable work, just because the, the the money is coming from those creative types or whatever. They're hi- they're they're hiring that out of Hollywood or whatever, or it's a or it's a company that's making a commercial. That's just the nature of the flow of money. Like you know that if that if you want to do more creative stuff, you sort of just have to do your own stuff. So the question is like, do you go and kind of uh, just do whatever, do grunt work just to try to make connections, just to hope that you find an opportunity, this, that, and the other, or do you actually focus on doing what you love and then just, you know, see what happens? Right. a little of both. I mean, I did, I did a little of both. That's how I met these guys <laughs> at the, the like a film hangout, you know, a, a, a place reserved strictly for Charlotte filmmakers or area filmmakers. And it was great because I was really wanting to meet writers for sure. I mean, that was my end goal. So it was amazing that we met um, because I like to collaborate that way. You know, because really for me, I don't, you could not pay me to move back to LA. I love it, but you can, I just, I don't want that lifestyle. For me, like being creative is more a lifestyle. You know, I don't want to, um, live the Hollywood scene I just because I do you know the farming that has been able to pay the bills and allow me to still practice my craft and um, so yeah I don't know it's more about my lifestyle I need you to define that because my my <laughs> vision of Los Angeles is everybody sitting around excitedly talking about stories all the time <laughs> that's what I assume happens in Hollywood there is a lot of that I mean okay so I was 21 and 22 when I lived there so and you know went out dancing like every night Um, I loved it whenever I was there Uh absolutely but it is I mean when it comes down to I am too country to live like in that big of a city Uh, right you know and I still have really great friends there but it's it's not for me it is a bit superficial, and all right, the stereotypes right, right. exist yeah, yeah, for yeah. reasons, you know. But I did love it. I just could, I don't want that. You don't get me wrong. I picture a lot of people with like plastic surgery, sort of ceramic <laughs> doll faces. All the, all the girls are like six yeah. foot tall. Right. But still, they're all talking about story structure. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I imagine. Yeah. Oh, that <laughs> exactly. Story structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. Okay. There you go. No, it's actually really dirty. There's like homeless people everywhere, you know, and it's really, it has that really dark side that no one, I mean, people talk about for sure, but I think I was struck by that. And literally I was coming from small town, middle America to Los Angeles by myself, not knowing anybody. And I'm like, oh my, you know, I was totally that, you know, naive girl thought that LA was magical and clean, I guess. And it was... That is a uh, iconic uh, story of American culture. Yeah. Girl moves from Midwest to L.A. I mean, that's so uh, uh, yeah. like one of the this, one of the iconic st- stories but, of our culture. Yeah, it's specifically like 
uh, Lost Highway. It's David Lynch's Lost Highway, am I right? Yeah. That, have you seen Lost Highway? No. Oh my god, yeah. It's so about that in the, in the most, I mean, it's David Lynch, so it's so beyond, but it's like, he does a great job of that, and there's some bizarre imagery in it, but. No, what, in the David Lynch yeah, movie? Of course, yeah, <laughs> some, biza- some bizarre imagery that, that uh, <laughs> paints the picture of exactly what you're talking about, <laughs> about the people who take small town values with them out there to this place they think is magical, and it's actually this vulgar place, and I don't know, it's it's a great movie, I think yeah. you should definitely watch Lost Highway. I think you're talking about Mulholland Drive. Drive, sorry, that I'm calling oh, Lost Highway. I have some Mulholland Drive. Drive, yeah. What's years the one with the little bag, ago. sorry, Micah, who's not here, what's <laughs> the one with the, the little the little people that come out of the bag, and everyone's like, what the hell is it, what am I, Mulholland Drive, sorry. Oh, okay. I, re- I, re- I have seen that. with Lost Highway. Probably like 10 years ago, I don't know, okay. yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna do a uh, segue. I'm gonna ride around on my segue <laughs> wearing my helmet. So hold on one second. <laughs> <laughs> That's not right. what a segue sounds like. I'm not, just kidding. I don't, I don't know even know either. Like I don't know it. I think they have got a pull crank. It's a gas powered. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm gonna drive my segue over to farming here and ask you. So, so you're a farmer. Explain to me how. Uh, a girl who lives in South Park uh, area uh, of Charlotte and is a writer and involved in the film scene in Charlotte is a farmer. What does that mean? I know. Um, well, it's always been... Okay, so I moved here because I always say, because I miss the color green, you know, because Colorado is beautiful, but it is very brown. Um, there are a lot of farms there, but I really did move here with intention to become a to learn more about organic farming and whatnot. I come from a family of farmers, but they're the big time farmers, you know, not sustainable farming, basically. So, and I grew up with, you know, my parents always had big gardens, they grew up canning and all that jazz. So that's more normal for me than not. Um, so when I moved here, stuff. I can, I pickled beets this year. <laughs> pickled anything. I, sh- I, I should have brought you pickled, some. Pickled anything when it's in season. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, I love pickle anything. I will pickle anything. <laughs> <laughs> I will pickle anything. Come down to Jason Broadwater. Put me on that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot more popular down Jason here. Jason Broadwater's Pickle Emporium. <laughs> or my name's not Pickle Anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so keep going, keep going. So you moved down here willing to pickle anything. Willing <laughs> to pickle anything, absolutely. You are willing to pickle anything. I'll stop. It's the same joke. So I actually Googled uh, organic farms near Charlotte before I moved here. Is Googling harder than pickling <laughs> or easier? How do you <laughs> Google a farm? Is it yeah. harder than pickling a farm? Can you pickle a whole farm? Good God. You are master at this. <laughs> she didn't say she could. You just said that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh man. And... So I was in, I was put in contact with this owner um, of a farm, a small organic farm in Waxhaw. And then when I moved here, I went out to meet her, and then she pretty much hired me on the spot. It was really crazy, and it's so it's a the situation. Se- yeah, <laughs> situation was crazy. <laughs> it was. It's a really beautiful place to work. So it's really been amazing because I get paid to learn. It was a huge learning curve because I'm basically managing a farm. That's great. I know. I mean, what are y'all growing? It's anything in season. So we're a produce farm. We are organic. So right now, your bok choy, your collards, broccoli, cauliflower, your greens are back, arugula. (laughs) So is it, I mean, how many acres are we talking about here? Just five. 
That's great. So it's so it's small compared to what I would say most people kind of picture as a farm. A yes, but not a. I would say the average is honestly probably between five and like fifteen okay. for the type of farming I want to do, which is sustainable farming. Okay. So what makes it sustainable? So we do things like crop rotation, composting, no pest, you know, no harmful chemicals. Um, uh, I mean, things like that. We we really take care of the land, you know, for how we don't use and abuse it. We use it, but then we replenish it with different things. So. Okay. So so I guess I imagine that you aren't using chemicals that are bad for. Correct. Or okay. slash and burn. Right. Or what? Right. I remember learning in school about slash and burn. I don't know what it is. Something about you. He read that in Highlights magazine. Just yeah, ignore it. I read it in something about. Highlights. I thought it was, well, it was a farming thing. I remember that the Incans did the or biosphere. something. Biosphere. He just yeah. knows the biosphere. I'm doing biodome. <laughs> biodome. <laughs> I'm going to continue talking. I'm going to Google uh, slash and burn so don't I can. Google while we're talking. <laughs> Looks like you're texting. They can't so, see it. So, um, do you have relation? Does your farm that you work on have relationships with um, local restaurants? We do. Okay. Yes, and I do that. I really like that. Actually, we work with several. I only chefs. Some are the owners as well, but mostly um, are the executive chefs. I am um, in no way um, very versed in, in this world, but. I was living in Asheville um, between, I guess, 90, dang, 94 and uh, 2001, something like that. And um, while I was there, this guy named Hector that owned this restaurant uh, called Salsa. And now he owns three more restaurants, or two or three more restaurants in downtown. But he um, created this whole kind of, um, or he pushed for this whole culture in Asheville back then of... Um, these farms that he would go out and, and start pepper farms because he would serve peppers with all of his meals and so he would have his employees who were uh, servers go out to these farms and then he hired people specifically just to do this they would drive out to these farms and they would get fresh uh, vegetables and fresh peppers and all that and bring it back and he would cook everything with stuff that was grown around there and he was such a visionary I think because that's becoming such a part of kind of the new cultural economy of this farm-to-table stuff. Yeah, and and it it is, it really is. I really, because it really tastes better. Whenever you eat seasonally, and I am by no means a, I, I study nutrition only on my own. I, I've never taken, uh, you know, courses in it or anything. But it is interesting, because I have to do a lot of research for, you know, I do things like the newsletter on the farm. So it's really interesting to know the things that are in season that, you know, maybe produce more vitamin D or something are the exact things that your body needs for that time. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Like, it really, really is. And I, again, I do not, I want to dive way deeper into that, and I haven't, but... It's almost like nature knows what it's doing. Like yeah. we were, uh, yeah, created perfectly, yes. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> it would be amazing. So are Fruit Loops in season right now? Yeah. <laughs> um, next season, yeah. Next season. yeah. Okay, yeah. Season two? I'm almost caught up. Don't give me a spoiler. <laughs> nice. Good one. <laughs> up top. That was a high five noise. Wait, sir, can I, can I make, can I ride my segue no, here to sorry, point out that you can't tell. Slash and Burn is 
a method of agriculture in which existing vegetation is cut down and burned off before new seeds are sown, typically used as a method of, for clearing forest land for farming. It's also a duo, it's also a duo guitarist group of post-90s. Slash and burn. Post-90s oh, Slash and David Byrne. Slash and Byrne. genius, like, uh, collaboration between David Byrne and Slash. That would be weird. That would be great. Yeah. Winning, winning. This is not my beautiful guitar. <laughs> That's all he's going to sing about, right? Because it's a Slash. I get it. And then it Slash likes guitars. <laughs> I totally get it. I'm with you, dude. You're hilarious. Hey, Slash, what do you like? Guitars? I'll sing about that. This is not my beautiful guitar. <laughs> These are not my beautiful boots. Curly hair. Sorry. This might be an edit. No, no way, no way. I just want everyone listening, I want both of you listening to know that we're not editing out any of that. Right. So. Yeah, I'm a birthday boy, I get to say what I want. Oh yeah, that's true. It's Chris's birthday. Happy birthday, Chris. Happy Thanks. Birthday. Thank you, thank you. So, um, let's say that, you know, I'm sure that you have a very good relationship with your current situation, current employer and all that stuff, but let's say that you were to, just to pretend, just to imagine that you were to have your own farm, just, just for sake of imagining. You know, what type of stuff would you, uh, would you want to do? Uh, like what kind of, what size of farm, what type of relationships would you want to have, what would you want to grow? How would that work? I would call it boy and girl farm. <laughs> Theoretically speaking. Theoretically speaking, boy and girl farm. Um, I, well, I do actually have dreams of doing that next year in 2015. And it would be, we would not pursue a certification in organic farming because it's actually kind of expensive and quite annoying to deal with the government in, in that area. But we would still grow organically. And we would do very similar to what I'm doing now. I, we would want to get in a farmer's market and then continue to sell to chefs. You know, I've made really great relationships with several restaurants in Charlotte. You know, they just know me and, you know, they know that um, we grow good food, you know. Have you looked into see if there's, and I mean, it might completely just not be, but if there's any, like, local government incentive or something to pursue organic certification? Because um, it seems like that'd be beneficial, you know? There are, I, I actually, next week I do have a couple meetings with some of the, the extension agents, and I am going over that. There are some incentives. There's something called a high tunnel grant <laughs> that I am looking into, which basically a high tunnel just extends your growing season. What's it called? A high tunnel. High tunnel. I thought you said like high tonal. High tunnel. Like high toned. Like to, to get it, you have to be you have to smoke from one of those long cigarette pipe thingies. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, would be like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like high tone, like high tone, like that. Uh, I thought you meant like tone, like you have to be buff. Yeah, wow, man, this is a smorgasbord of possibilities. <laughs> you have to be buff and smoke long cigars to even qualify. So um, I don't know if you know of the innovation grants that are um, available through the. Um, South Carolina Innovation uh, through the South Carolina Department of Commerce. Well, okay. Any research for South Carolina? Okay. Well, this is one reason why you're going to move to this village. <laughs> is um, um, this is a shot in the dark, but I think that it's time that uh, I, I've seen Maryland do this. Maryland has introduced um, agribusiness and agri entrepreneurship 
into their kind of conversation around kind of new technology-driven entrepreneurship. Because every state's trying to um, kind of, you know, uh, create like revenue flows, like the poster child of the new economy, you know, internet marketing companies and stuff, like things that seem entrepreneurial, technology-driven and all this. Well, states like Maryland have realized that agribusiness is part of that conversation too, in a big way. Because there's all kinds of entrepreneurial opportunity, there's um, technology that's driving this, there's new cultural opportunities with the, the new urban village and all that kind of stuff. Well, I think South Carolina might be open to, and North Carolina maybe too. So instead of it coming from your traditional sources of um, agricultural department of North Carolina or South Carolina, the innovation departments that are trying to fund, and they're putting in big money into these things, trying to fund entrepreneurship, they are putting out grants. And there's actually a, a November, there's a big grant opportunity coming in November in South Carolina. And I think that it'd be right for the introduction of um, something that had kind of an agribusiness kind of tent to it. Because everything else that everybody's submitting is all about, oh, you know, an incubator to create apps. Like everybody wants to create apps, you know, and, and that's fine and that's great, but like that's what everybody wants to do. You know, so I think there's real opportunity to do something different with um, agribusiness, yeah. Uh, just looking into not only the agricultural department of the state in terms of what they're offering, but the kind of innovation and entrepreneurial side and look at agribusiness. And Maryland is your case study on that. Thank you. I will. I'll write that down after we finish rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I never finish doing that. I'm always rolling. Micah, write that down. Micah, write that down. Stop. Write Not bad. Down. You're too slow. Get me somebody while I'm waiting. Write that down and get me somebody while I'm waiting. <laughs> Draw me a picture. Oh, that's Stop pretty. Drawing. Stop drawing. That <laughs> really is interesting, though. I never would have thought about that. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's such a part of our kind of new economy and cultural fabric, this idea of food. What a novel idea, you know? It's so sad. It is sad. You know, I hear everybody talks about food, and I try I to. Know. Every time I try to get onto the food, I look at. It, I don't know what it's people like are doing. The hip, cool thing, the food. Get, yeah. Food, they call it. How do I? How do quote I? Mark, I'm holding up quote marks. Of food. I, I don't understand. They're hashtagging. I don't get hashtagging it. Hashtagging food. It's yeah. just not for me. It's not for me. <laughs> huh? Who's gonna talk? Who's gonna talk? <laughs> Mike, so just so all you viewers at home on your, on your couches watching uh, Old Town New World on your widescreen televisions, Micah has to play, we only have one microphone, and Micah plays a game where he has to guess who's going to talk. It's actually a microphone. Yeah, we have only one microphone. Aww. <laughs> He's sad. Why don't you talk? <laughs> well, he's a mute. <laughs> he's so wise. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> it's his wisdom. <laughs> How are we doing on time? We're good? I, I, folks at home, I asked that question because I'm curious. <laughs> because we're out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> if I should continue to, to make bullshit comments, or if I should wrap us up, bring us home. Amy, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Yes, pleasure thank to you be very here. I, I wish you the best of luck with your uh, children's books. Yes, and it uh, sounds like one As well as your books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I'm sorry. laughs> so 
Yeah, sorry. I didn't even get sorry. It. I know it's horrible. It's a total dad joke. I wish, I wish you also the best of luck with your um, involvement in the Charlotte film industry. And I very much look forward to um, Boy and Girl Farms. Yeah, it's gonna be fantastic. And um, and uh, again, uh, I guess we'll hopefully you'll become a listener and join the three others and uh, join us next week on Old Town New World. I will. Thank you. I wish you luck, also, Jason. I wish you no luck. Aww. I would I, like a, to a, award you no points yeah, for this. A, a, a plague on both your houses. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.